Those insects die of a blood infection when they eat that corn. And they explode. They don't explode. Their, their cells explode inside them. Oh. They just die. <laughs> so, yeah, telling you that, you're like, oh, shit, I don't want to eat that. But it simply doesn't happen to us because we do not have alkaline mid-guts. No reaction takes place. Our body knows no difference. All right. Welcome to Careers Over Beers podcast. I'm the host, Jesse Krause, and today I have a friend. Welcome. Uh, go you. ahead and introduce yourself. Tell yep. us who you are. I'm Alan Vinjohn, and I'm a crop consultant. Crop consultant. Yes. Meaning? So, as a crop consultant, I work for several different farmers as their personal agronomist. So, okay. what a lot of that entails is I scout their fields once a week during the growing season. And I'm looking for weeds, insects, diseases. I'm making chemical recommendations to alleviate any concerns that we have there, if there are any. I'm also looking for any nutrient deficiencies on the plants, uh, any abiotic issues that could be going on. Um, I'm probing the soil for moisture and making irrigation schedules for them. And uh, the overall goal is to help the farmer be as profitable as possible. Very cool. So you're a, you're a position that assists farmers, basically. Yes. At the, that's the basics of it, anyways. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Cool. Well, cheers, sir. Let's go ahead and crack into one of these. What are we drinking yep. here? I brought you some spotted cow. Spotted cow. Yep. What the hell is that? So, you can only <laughs> buy it in Wisconsin, and I have a sister that lives up there. So Wisconsin. Yeah. <laughs> sister lives up there, and. Yep. So every time we go up to visit, we usually bootleg a couple cases back. So, spotted cow, and it's from New Glarus Brewing New Gl- Company. New Glarus Brewing, New Glarus Brewing, Company. Brewing yep. Company, Wisconsin. Yes. Nice. All right, let's give it a shot, man. Yep. Cheers. Cheers. Nice light lager. Yeah. Delicious, honestly. Yeah. Really good. I love it. This is my style of beer, you know, because usually I'm drinking a lot of them in a row. And yeah. uh, I do enjoy a good craft beer. I enjoy a good IPA, a good stout, stout porter. But, I mean, this right here, you can pound a lot of these back, it feels like. Yeah, I feel like it's a mix between a, an amber and a light beer. An it's, amber and a light beer. Yeah, that's a, good, that's a good description of it. Yep. Every drop of Wisconsin's original farmhouse ale is artisan brewed and bottled. Okay. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to read that whole description. <laughs> yeah. yeah, very good beer. So you got introduced this from your sister up there in Wisconsin? Yes, sir. Cool. All righty. So you kind of told us what you do. Uh, yeah. How in the world did you ever find out that there was a position like that? So I, I grew up on a farm, and I was always interested in agriculture. I, I knew I wanted to do something in that. I, I think what drew me to ag the most is uh, the community in the, in the ag world, there's a lot of really good, nice, hardworking people in the ag community. And I think the quality of your job has got, got a lot to do with the quality of the people you're working with and how happy you're going to be in your job. Mm-hmm. So I, I work with a lot of great people. I, I mean, I've met a few outliers, sure, in the, in the years I've been working. but A few not for, very good people. <laughs> sure. sure. <laughs> but for the most part, yeah, there's a lot of really good people that I work with, and it's really satisfying to help help really good people. So you grew, up in, you grew up in an agriculture community, yeah. right? Yep. And uh, you just wanted to stay that route your whole life because you, you thought the people were good? Is that the main reason? Or did you want to work in ag that, just because you enjoyed it? I mean, I just I, 
yeah, I loved farming, you know, mm-hmm. being in a tractor growing up. And I mean, I was driving tractors since I was like 10 years old. And yeah, being, it's been yeah. your world your whole life. Yeah. So what made you go the route you took rather than being an actual farmer? So my dad farmed, but he didn't farm enough to make a living. And so there's, I had to look at some other options and I, I had a neighbor that was a crop consultant when I was growing up and I always thought his job was kind of cool. And, you know, I did some job shadows and why do you think it was cool? Because you're, you're walking out in those fields and you're looking at some really detailed stuff on, you know, like, look at this little weed that's just sprouting. It's like, you wouldn't really notice it, not being educated about it. So I, I, I just thought it was really cool. So they're looking at, I mean, you now too, I guess. You're looking at every little weed that pops out in a crop? Yeah, like if there's a weed, weed like not even an inch tall, I, I can already identify it and know what chemical we need to use to kill really? it. Really? Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. So when you're walking through a field, you're you're just looking for everything, every little detail in the ground. Yep, yep. You know, weeds, insects, diseases are the you know the main concerns and I'll, I'll write up a chemical recommendation of you know we need to make a tank mix of this herbicide let's throw this insecticide in there and tell them what tank mix they can use and they'll put that in a sprayer and apply it and or have the co-op apply it and be able to in the long run it'll make the farm most profitable and you know sometimes at first I kind of struggle with that because some of these tank mixes can cost 45 bucks an acre which you know the profit margins in agriculture are not all that great anymore yeah i mean we're finally getting some better prices but i when you're having the confidence that yes this is going to cost you some money but in the long run it's going to make you more money that that's something i struggled with at first but now i'm getting you know so you you have to sell that to the farmer a lot of times like like it sounds crazy right now to spend this much money per acre on something but in the end i think you're gonna be happy with the long-term result yep so you're almost you're also kind of a salesman in some way well yeah and i don't sell any products you don't sell products no no just Uh, your services i I only do a service so they can they can buy that chemical from whoever they want to okay so you're not trying to push any products or promote anybody or anything either nope not at all i'm 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 unbiased that's why a lot of guys like to hire guys like me that because we're unbiased Mm -hmm. we're we're not going to promote, oh, you should only use this company's products. Yeah. So where does your income come from then overall? Uh, yeah. So for the service, we charge by the acre to the farmer. So you'll to, charge by the, so if you're doing, uh, what's a square mile? Is it 600 acres? Square mile? Yeah. Uh, 640 acres. 640. Okay. So if you're doing 640, you're doing somebody's entire square mile, you're going to be charging them by the acre by the acre yeah for your services that that rarely happens that we have a whole square well yeah (laughs) just for just for simple terms you know yep um okay so and that could be for anything you could be just looking for bugs and telling them they need to spray for that or no no it's it's by the crop so by the crop yep do you charge more for different crops uh i charge more for irrigated because we have to be there every single week the dry land i don't have to be there quite as often so i'm not charging as much for it why do you have to be there every week with irrigated irrigation scheduling oh so there there's some boring weeks on some crops that like all there is to do is make irrigation schedules there's rarely any uh 
insects or diseases that you're going to have to worry about. Some some farmers like to sign up their dry land for full service, and that's fine. But for the most part, the irrigated is the full service, and then the dry land is the limited service. How do you get yourself out there? Like, how does a farmer know to reach you? So all of mine has been word of mouth really? so far. Yeah. So you just do a good job then, apparently. Yeah. And so, other farmers tell other farmers, and then they call you up? Yeah. Well, so I, I started... When I was in college, I interned with a guy who did, started this business on his own. And after my internship, he, he didn't have any full-time employees, and he was getting busy enough. He was like, you want to come on full-time? And so I did. And then through there, there's been other farmers in the area that been calling. And you know, since I, me and him are both mm-hmm. working full-time together now, it's, we have the ability to take on some more acres. So then, so it's just you two? Us two, and then we have a summer intern. And it's so it's a legit LLC company that you guys have. It's, it's an incorporated. Incorporated, yeah. Yep. Okay, that's cool. So, are your plans to make that bigger, or do you guys just want to keep it two of you? Uh, yeah, time will tell on <laughs> a lot of stuff. But yeah, I mean, I'd I'd love to do it on my own eventually, but you know, I I, I need to build up some more acres and uh, get some better experience under my belt because you know the input costs on being a crop consultant aren't that expensive. You need a pickup, you need a four wheeler. You need a soil probe and a laptop. That's about it. So, so what's your? It, it's your knowledge that's going to keep you in business. Okay, and most of it's word of mouth. A lot of it has been. Yeah, I don't. We, we're not advertising in the paper or anything like that. Are there big companies that do the same job? Yeah, a, yeah. There's some big consulting firms out really? there. Yeah, and they do the same thing as you, and they just have a bunch of employees that work for the company. Yep, have yep. set hours and whatnot. Yep, we're what known as a independent crop consultants. So. And you want to stay that way? Yes. And your goal is to be on your own. Eventually, yes. What's a normal day like for a crop consultant? So it's very seasonal job so let's start right here it's end of september right now i'm finishing up looking at all the the summer crops and pretty soon guys are starting to harvest now pretty soon we'll have some wheat in the ground Uh, so this is my favorite time of year i'm i'm catching a little bit of a break but so as soon as the wheat's in the ground i'm checking the wheat as soon as the combine's off that field it's all about next season for us we're we're pulling soil samples on that ground and we're sending them to a lab and the lab sends us the data back and I'm making, I'm using that data to make a fertilizer recommendation on how to grow the next crop. So we do that all winter long. Uh, A lot of the winter time too, we're meeting with uh, seed companies and chemical companies and they're telling us about their new products. Uh, I'm going to conferences, you know, about soil health, you know, how to improve the soil. but about March time, the you know it starts to warm up. We're looking at alfalfa and wheat again, and you know April corn's going in. Some of the beans are going in, and then May through August, pretty well. We're we're real busy looking at all the summer crops. All summer long, you're swamped probably, right? Yeah, there there's a lot of 15 hour work days. 15 you know, hours. For, yep, in that four month period, you're. Yeah, if the if the and is this all if there's daylight you're working. Is this all on your own? Like you just physically can't get in all the work that you need to in eight hours a day, so you just add on and add on. Yeah, I mean you can work as much as you want. It, I mean it matters how many acres you contract, but if you really want to make a decent living, you you're gonna have to work that much during the summer. But you could also scale it back if you didn't want to. Yeah, you're if I wanted you... to work eight hours a day during the summer, I could just contract less you acres. Did. But right. I mean, 
you're you're only working that much during the summer. Then in the wintertime, you'd be pretty bored. So you're not going to make a very good living. At, so in the wintertime, you're just chilling. Well, I mean, we're pulling it. I, I used to think skin. I used to think wintertime was real easy, but now it seems like it's getting busier and busier every time. I'm, I'm, you know, pulling those soil samples, and I mean, I pulled soil samples when it's 30 degrees out, and I'm all bundled up on the four-wheeler, just freezing my ass off. But yeah, there's, uh, <laughs> but yeah, there, there's always a lot of meetings and conferences to go to as well. But the, and you're the wintertime's a lot on... easier than the summertime. Yeah, so you're just scheduling a lot of that on your own too when you're going to meetings or whatever. Yep. Yep. I mean, it's, it's your responsibility to get all your work done in the week. It, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter how long it takes you to do it. You, you just got to get all, all your fields checked, all your samples pulled. So when you, um, start working with a farmer, are you mm-hmm. signing a contract for a certain length of time to be with them? Yeah. It's, it's their yearly contracts. Oh, yearly. So, okay. Yep. So some so, guy could be like, this guy is not doing a good job. You're done after a year. Yeah, you could. Yeah. But it's hard to tell because it's like what you're doing now, like you said, affects the long term. So it's hard to say if you're doing a good or bad job right away, right? Yeah. And plus you have all these other factors involved with like weather and. Yeah. What? What, weather is a big factor of our job. I, I'm I'm always looking at my weather app on the phone. Yeah. To try to, you know, predict what we're, what's going to happen here. Right. You know, if it's too windy, if it's raining, you can't spray, you know, trying to make irrigation schedules on around chances of rain you're mm-hmm. and it's something you can't control i mean you nope. can try to mitigate insects you can try to increase your soil value yep. or whatever i guess but you can't control the weather yep and have you ever had that happen to you where like you're doing a, you're working with a farmer and things are going well and then weather just destroys his crops and oh yeah i've had hailstorms come in and sweep a crop out and yeah yeah there's has anybody ever blamed you for our crops doing shitty <laughs> no i mean a hailstorm you can't do anything about. no not a hailstorm <laughs> but if it's just a drier year or a really wet year or whatever i don't i don't think they're they're, they're they, they can get grumpy with me but i don't think it's you, you know they're not entirely blaming me they they just they're they're just mad yeah <laughs> so it yeah sometimes it's it's hard because every every week i you know i go to that farmer and i deliver him a report of all of his fields on how they're doing and typically i'm not the bearer of good news really <laughs> so yeah because i'm looking for the problems in the fields and how to fix them and you know every time i make a chemical recommendation that's going to cost them money and you know oh, oh boy here's crop and salt and he's wanting me to spend money on this and this and you know I'm, so <laughs> did you go to school for all of this knowledge that you have like when you can yeah. see a plant or a weed and say that this certain chemical will affect that one specifically. Mm-hmm. Was that all taught in, to you in school or did you learn that on your own? A lot of it, a lot of it's taught, taught in school, but there's a lot more you learn on the job. You know, when I, when I first started out, I almost thought I wasted four years of my life in school. But really? No, what was your degree? Uh, agronomy. Agronomy. Yep. And that's the degree to get if you're going to be a crop consultant. Yep. So agronomy is just a fancy word for plant and soil science. Agronomy is a sub-study of botany is what it is. So like horticulture is more towards produce and your ornamental crops, forestries, trees. Agronomy is your grain and cereal fiber crops. Mm -hmm. Yep. What about marijuana? 
marijuana. <laughs> I haven't worked with any of that. There, there is some talk about industrial hemp in Kansas now. So I've heard I, that. I have not worked with any hemp yet. I wouldn't be surprised if eventually down the line I did. Did you learn but, about it in school at all? No, they didn't teach anything didn't about teach that in school. I, I don't know a whole lot about it. I know it's uh, one of those high risk, high reward crops. Yeah, uh, it's hard. The the seed that people buy, it's like a fifty percent germination, meaning like every other seed you drop in that ground only is only one of them's gonna come up. Wow. So yeah, it is that know, is, usually it's like at least eighty percent to ninety nine percent on your germination rate. So it's it's very low on your germination rates, and there's a lot of paperwork involved in growing industrial. Well, right now, since it's like still federally yeah. illegal or whatever, so. It, that's kind of a weird yep. gray area, but at some point, I'm sure if it does get like federally legalized and everything, you're going to be dealing with it. You would yep. think, right? Oh yeah, I, I'm sure I'll, you know, maybe down the line I'll be looking at some. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's yeah, <laughs> I'll, I'll cross that bridge when I get there. <laughs> yep, yep. At least for work. Yep. <laughs> that's cool. What's the best crop you think to grow in the Midwest? Best crop. I mean, a diversity of crops is the best. Diversity crop. is the yeah. best. D- dude, diversity. Not you just know, planting, don't, don't put all your eggs in one basket. Not no. just planting the same crop time after time every no, year. No, no, that's terrible for the soil. Is it really? Yeah, that's called yeah. monocropping, right? Well, monocropping is you know you only have one crop at all in that field, which is typical. But yeah. You, you got to grow diversity of crops across all your fields because you don't know what the market's going to do. Right. But why is it terrible to grow wheat in the same spot every year? Because, so, it, it's hard, hard on a soil because you're only, there, there's microbes in the soil that you're feeding with that crop and other microbes that will not work with that crop. So, you're not feeding the whole soil biology that way. And... The the, uh, the residue from your wheat is going to carry diseases over towards the next crop, so you really need to rotate your crops every year. So it's best to have a bunch of crops, different ones, and move them around so you're not yeah, doing yeah. wheat in the same spot every year. You're moving it over here. Yeah. Then you're moving this crop over to where the wheat was last year. Yep. Okay. Yeah. And that's typical then probably for farmers, right? Yeah, yeah. Most of them yeah, do Yeah, most that. farmers know that, yeah. But they didn't used to, right? Like the Dust Bowl, wasn't that yeah. caused from? I, the, the Dust Bowl was caused from excessive tillage. So, I mean, we, you know, came to the plains, we broke the plain open, and, you know, the soil is super healthy then, and we're just growing super healthy crops, and, you know, you know, life was great. But, yeah, the Dust Bowl was a man-made catastrophe. And, and know, it was that, just because they were tilling that top layer over and over again? Yeah, because that soil will blow. And you, you tillage is probably the worst thing you could ever do for the soil because you know think if if you think about it like there's more co2 in the air today than there was before there's less uh carbon in the soil today than there was before like our, through tillage we have greatly degraded our soils over time and you know it's just like when you till the soil you release that co2 into the air it's just like when you open this beer there's co2 in this beer because it's carbonated it's going from a higher concentration to a lower concentration. It's just natural for it. Okay. So, so we need we need carbon in the soils to to feed the microbes because carbon is the building block for all life. Really, I mean, you and I are made up about 
16% carbon. Yeah. And so the only way to feed those microbes is to have growing plants. So like in a tablespoon of topsoil, there's more living organisms than there are people in the United States. Really? Yeah. Wow. So, and if you were to take over an acre area of all those microscopic organisms that you cannot see and weigh them, it'd be about 2,000 pounds. So think of this, like a football field is roughly one and one-third acres. So that's like two and a half full-size cows on that football field. You already have that much livestock on that field that you cannot see, but you need to feed them. You got to feed them with growing crops or, you know, some kind of growing plant. And the only way that happens is you, you through photosynthesis. So, yeah. So like the equation of photosynthesis, it, the, that plant is breathing in CO2 and it's taking water from the roots and it's using sunlight as an energy source to produce oxygen into the air and then sugars through the roots. Those sugars are feeding the, all those microorganisms that in exchange are getting uh, n- nutrients for that crop. So that crop is always putting these sugars out and there's chemical signals out there that it's saying, hey, I need more phosphorus. Hey, I need more potassium. And those microorganisms are feeding this crop. It's a symbiotic relationship. So through tillage, we've been reducing our uh, microbial populations in the soil. So then these the plants don't have as many of these workers to get these nutrients to them. So we've been just adding more and more synthetic fertilizers out there and it's just been exacerbating the problem. That is amazing, especially how everything on planet Earth works together. The way it works together like that is just mind-blowing. Yeah, we need biodiversity. What's crazy is that I think most people out there don't even realize that. And they think, oh, a farmer, what do you do? You just dig a hole in the dirt and put a plant in there, right? And then it grows food. How hard can that be? They don't understand or realize that it's a whole colony of organisms that are living in that soil, right? Yeah. That's making it up. Most people probably think, oh, you dig out a big scoop of soil and it's just dirt. There's nothing in there. It's just dirt, right? Yeah, dirt is just misplaced soil. Yeah. And in a way, it's like the uh, microbiome in our gut, too, you know. They, they operate it's, very similar. Yeah. Yep. Because we have all these gut flora that help us that, I mean, and there's millions of them in there, you know. And people don't yep. realize that. They just think they have a body and we're a human. And, but uh, that's crazy. I mean, and that's all stuff that you learned in school, too, right? Uh, so school only taught me the physical and chemical properties of the soil. They did not teach much of the biological properties. Okay. So... This is a lot of stuff I've been learning after college. and Well, uh, that's it, cool. I mean, that's yep. interesting stuff, you know? I think yep. it is anyways. Yep. What's, uh, what's one of the most beneficial bugs for the soil or organisms? Diverse, or is there not a diversity a of diversity them? A diversity of them? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I know people always said growing up, you know, they taught us that worms are great for the soil. Earthworms are awesome. Yeah, because yeah. they, they're cycling. They're eating all these plant residues. We're breaking them down. You know, and then the other microorganisms are eating their poop essentially, yeah, <laughs> and breaking that down into nutrients for that the plants use eventually. And and earthworms are also creating pathways in the soil for rain to come down into. And yeah, I was going to ask that, like all of their little tunnels that they put into the ground, yeah. that's probably good for it, right? Yeah, and then when you till the soil, you just erase that. So, so it's bad to till at all. Tillage is 
one of the worst things you can do for the soil. I, I I'm trying to minimize the amount of tillage that farmers are using. It's necessary though for some crops, right? It's not always how do necessary. You, how do you plant if you don't till it? You use a no-till planter. What does that do? It puts a seed in the ground without tilling it. Does it like punch it into the ground? Yeah, yeah. It's got little disc openers there, and you punch it in the ground. You don't, you know, the reason, you know, back in the Dust Bowl, you know, everybody was tilling the ground. They didn't have the technology to put a seed into the ground without, you know. Nor did they probably know that tillage was bad. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I was talking to one farmer. He, he said, if you think about it, in this area that we live, it's mostly German heritage. He says, and Germans were farmers, not ranchers. They they didn't, they they saw that land and they broke up in the plow, and that's what they did. Mm-hmm. So the, the way I like to explain it to a lot of people is, you know, we're in Kansas, so you think about the ground that we're sitting on right now. When was it the healthiest? It was back when it was a grassland with a diversity a of plants yep diversity of plants a lot of grasses there's some forbs growing out there and the buffalo were grazing it and they wouldn't just graze it down to the nub they would they were constantly moving due to pressure from prey we just need to recreate that through like cover crops you know have a diversity of plants out there that'll stimulate you know all the microbial activity in the soil and you gradually move them across the field. Don't let them eat too much in one spot so that plant can recover. You know, take off like 50% of that plant and allow that plant to regrow. Cause when it, Are you talking it, about cattle grazing Yeah. on a crop? Yeah. Yeah, yeah well, on a cover crop. On a cover so, crop. Yeah, in between your – so say you have corn, then you plant a winter cover crop, and then you have your cattle on that throughout the winter time, and then you can kill, it, kill off your cover crop and then plant soybeans. But in that time, you're actually, you know, instead of letting that, letting that soil just sit bare, you're having, you know, some kind of life yes. out there to stimulate sure. the, the microbial activity. And yeah, so, that makes sense. And, yeah. you know, the cows are shitting on the soil, too, and it's all kind of yeah. the circle of life, right? Yeah. So 85% of the plant nutrients that goes in a cow's mouth come out the other end yeah. on the soil, and they're broken down and uh, available for plants to use. And all the... CO2 gases that come out with it, right? Well, and, and plants capture CO2. So <laughs> That's true. They do, don't they? Yeah. There's so, a big deal with climate change right now. People yeah. are talking about the cattle farts and everything. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I don't know how you really mitigate that. Is it their diet? Well, just have more green-growing plants that'll capture that CO2. Have I more mean, plants going. Uh, there's a documentary on Netflix right now called Kiss the Ground. Uh-huh. I, I, I don't agree with 100% of the movie, but they do a good job of showing you know in april time there's a there's just a a rush of co2 into the atmosphere and then in the summertime the co2 goes away that's because the plants are growing that's cool yeah yeah plants breathe co2 basically right yeah yeah and they put out oxygen we do the opposite we breathe in oxygen Mm -hmm. breathe out co2 it's all an ecosystem it's all an ecosystem it's crazy yeah cows are just basically like steak machines right yeah they just isn't it amazing how they can just eat grass and grow into a steak or a prime rib yeah it sits on your plate yeah i mean yeah they must be extracting quite a bit nutrients still though to just survive off eating grass right yeah yeah they said like 85 percent of them come back out but 85 percent of the plant available plant available nutrients oh the plant available nutrients yeah okay come out into the ground so it's really good to keep cattle on on soil in yeah, between yeah. having crops yeah ha- 
have something green growing on your ground all the time and have livestock on it is is the goal yeah because when you're growing a crop you can't have any other plants you don't want any other plants growing in that soil right yeah so yeah so those those other weeds you know a weed is a plant out of place it, weeds are going to rob moisture and you know nutrients it's competing with the crop. other exactly plants yeah so when you're talking about tillage are you talking about like a tractor disc if you're disking a field yeah exactly that's tilling right yep and that's still pretty common at least from what i see you know we live in a farming community i see that all over the place yep that's not a good thing not a good thing <laughs> really does that make you cringe when you see it yeah a little bit i, I wish guys would at least go to no-till or or you know start putting some cover crops in to help heal, heal their soil back so if there's yeah. one thing out there that you want all the farmers to know right now that they're doing wrong it's probably tillage right yeah, I mean it's hard to point fingers, but <laughs> well, we don't want to point any fingers at anybody. We're just trying to help. The, the okay, the occasional tillage is fine, but you know, tilling every year is is pretty bad for your soil. You're you're gradually going to degrade your soil that way. You know, like I said, when you think about when the soil is the healthiest is when it was a diverse grassland and the buffalo grazing. It, our soil organic matter was about over five percent. Right now, on a lot of soil tests that I'm pulling, I'm getting between one and two percent. So, organic matter is important. Organic matter is just broken down, plant dead plant tissue, dead animals. You know, all everything breaks down, turns into dust eventually. Mm -hmm. right? So that's what organic matter is, and that's where the microbial life is the richest. And you you can store more water in there. Like one, if you do a one percent increase in your organic matter on your soil you can hold almost another inch of rain in that soil. So when you're in a drought and your field wow. has another inch of rain in it and the neighbor's field doesn't, I mean, you're going you're gonna to survive that drought. you, you got a crazy lot better how chance many, to survive that drought. It's crazy to me how many little things like that you, don't, you wouldn't even think about. Yeah. And it all goes into play when you're talking about a farmer improving his crop or improving his soil, I guess. Yep. Are there any wild animals that help a so soil's quality? Or destroy it on that other hand I mean surely there's all sorts of wild wildlife that are running through it and either destroying or helping out a little bit maybe sure I I, I don't think they're affecting it too much I no. mean a deer can go out and feed on your corn a little bit and it's it's not affecting things too much one thing that I learned that that still blows my mind is that the amount of animals that die due to harvesting crops like just wild ones all around little rabbits mm -hmm. running around or little yeah. skunks running through the field and uh, it always kind of makes me laugh a little bit with like people that are vegetarians or animal activists because one cow can feed a family for over a year right if you just keep it in your freezer and you just eat off of it that's what we do and uh that's just one life <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but if you're harvesting a whole crop you're probably killing tons of small animals right that's what I've heard. I, I, don't, I don't think you do. Maybe you run over a couple of mice or so, but I think they move out of the way. I've, I've been in the combine and seeing rabbits run and mice run away, but yeah, I, I don't know. I just, I just read that. I don't know if that's true. And I've heard people talk about that, that you're killing a ton of wildlife just by harvesting a crop. I, yeah, I, yeah. I don't think you're killing a ton. You don't think so? <laughs> no. <laughs> well, I, we'll say they are, though, just so that we can <laughs> convince people to eat prime ribs with us. Yeah, <laughs> that's interesting stuff, man. What about 
the dreaded word GMO. GMO. Or dreaded oh. acronym, I should say. Yeah. Yeah. What do you have to say so, about that? Yeah, people are all worried, oh, GMOs are bad for you and you should eat organic. And really what it is is what quality of the soil is your crop grown on? Like, So you need GMOs for a lot of your degraded soils, especially for your degraded soils, because you're, you're not going to have the protection that you would have with a healthy soil. So, I mean, you can have a better hot, better quality food from an organic crop because of the quality of the soil it's grown on, but it's not a guarantee. Like when I go grocery shopping, I don't, I don't buy organic. I, I think it's, it's more money for a food that's not guaranteed to be more healthy for me. So like you can take organic seed and put it on a degraded soil and it's going to be terrible terrible quality it's going to be full of bugs you're, you're not going to want to eat it you can put a gmo seed on a really healthy soil and it'll be very good quality so a lot of the reason some of these soils have been degraded also is i'd say glyphosate is you know roundup is what it is and you know, i'm not i'm not gonna talk too much trash on glyphosate because it does a lot of good things for me but there are also some bad things about it and I think there's a lot of confusion about it so glyphosate was originally designed as a cleaning product like a pipe cleaner chimney cleaner is what it was supposed to do so and as that it binds to heavy metals like magnesium and zinc and copper all essential nutrients for plants so chronic use over a long period of time of using glyphosate because we have GMOs that are resistant to glyphosate we've been using a lot of it has tied up those nutrients in that soil and that plant cannot access it near as well so that is not as nutrient dense as it would be on a healthy soil so and not to mention there's a lot of health effects that come from using Roundup too right if you're coming in contact with it or if you're buying <laughs> produce with it on there so there's a lot of confusion there so is that the, the the acute toxicity of glyphosate is very small so caffeine is 40 times more toxic than glyphosate and a lot of people drink coffee every morning and not, they're not worried about that toxic at all. the acute toxicity like if you were to intake it on your skin and in your mouth so all that talk about uh, roundup causing cancer and being harmful to humans is bunch of bullshit so there's some studies that show some correlation that people that are around it chronic use over a long period of time have been having cancer now if you the the idea of if you buy roundup at lowe's to do little some some touch up in on your landscape and in your yard and your driveway the the fact that people are scared of that is ridiculous to me because that's it's it's not that much exposure. So you're a yeah. believer in it's not that harmful. It's not that bad for you. Chronic use over a long period Chronic. of time, you might have some problems. You may have some problems. So it's like smoking. But, you smoke for a long time, yeah, large did, amounts. Yeah, that, you might have a chance of getting cancer. Yeah, but like secondhand smoke, every now and then, you're you're not worried about getting cancer down the line. Just like if you're using glyphosate to touch up your landscaping, you shouldn't be worried. There's still there's probably a small risk, but not enough to yeah. be so scared about that you don't want to go spray weeds in your yard. 
right? Yeah. Well, and you talk about smoking, like nicotine is 1,600 times more toxic than glyphosate. So is so, glyphosate the generic term for like Roundup? Is it Ra- the same Roundup thing? is the trade name. Uh, glyphosate is the active ingredient. It's the active ingredient, yeah. and that's the only active ingredient in it? Or are there yeah, other things? Yeah, that's, a, that's what Round, Roundup is. There's It's been trademarked in several other names, too. But Roundup is what Monsanto marketed it as, and they were the first company to market it. Gotcha. And, but, yeah, there's been all sorts of other companies that have put their own name to it. Are there other chemicals that you guys work with or recommend that can be harmful to humans or... Sure. Yeah. Yeah. There's some insecticides that, you know, you know, I'll, I'll recommend that chemical to, for the farmer to spray. And I know if, if they sprayed it, you know, within 12 hours before I walk it, I'm not going to walk that field Yeah. because it's, yeah, it's harmful for me to walk through there. So I just, I usually skip that field that week or check it a couple of days later. So when you see somebody or like a crop duster flying the plane around spraying fields, that could be a multitude of different things. It's not usually just Roundup or something in there. Uh, crop dusters rarely ever do Roundup. Uh, they rarely ever do yeah, Roundup. Yeah, crop dusters are mostly uh, fungicide on corn because you can't drive a sprayer through there or insecticide on corn. So, like with GMOs too, going back to that conversation a little bit, a lot of those plants are genetically modified to prevent insects from eating them, right? Right, yeah. How does that work? Yeah, so I don't know if you heard the term BT corn. Uh, BTK, I've heard of that. (laughs) No, No, let's not go that down that hole. Uh, Maybe that's where he got his name. BT corn is, uh, it stands for Bacillus thuringiensis. BT corn. (laughs) I don't know why I find that funny. I don't know why I find that funny. Anyways, sorry. Uh, yeah. So BT corn has has Bacillus thuringiensis protein in it. And that corn would naturally not have that uh, protein in it be- without it being a GMO. Being modified. It, yeah. So Bacillus thuringiensis, it, it, when an insect eats it in a Lepidopter family, like your caterpillars, worms, those kind of critters, uh, when they eat that, there's a reaction that happens in their alkaline midguts that it'll, the, the reaction happens and it leaks out the pores in their cells that cause, it, cause them to swell and explode. And then it, those, <laughs> those fragments ser- serve as a medium for an, a blood infection. They, th- those insects die of a blood infection when they eat that corn. And they explode. They don't explode. Their, their cells explode inside them. But oh. They just die. <laughs> so, yeah, telling you that, you're like, oh, shit, I don't want to eat that. But it simply doesn't happen to us because we do not have alkaline midguts. No reaction takes place. Our body knows no difference. So, it, okay, well, that's crazy. So it tortures the insect then, basically. Well, it kills the insect because they're bad insects. You don't want them there. I wonder they call you, it you BT want, corn. You don't want little worms in your ears of corn, do you? No, I don't. No. <laughs> and, that's, and before GMOs, that's how it was probably, right? Yeah, and they're... There is corn falling over from European corn borers that would crawl up the stalk and uh, hollow it out, and then the corn would fall over real easy, and then farmers couldn't harvest it. So BT corn is the name of that one that's genetically modified? That's one of the genes and yeah. a lot of the corn that we grow now. 
That's amazing. I, I think you guys named that after BTK. No, no. Yeah, like you're killing mass amounts of insects and you're thinking of serial killer names for them, which I, I think is clever. We'll call this one BT Corn. <laughs> we'll call this one the Unicorner. Or, uh, yeah, all right, I'm done with that. <laughs> That's hilarious, though. I mean, people take for granted, honestly, that they can't open an ear of corn now and it's just a perfect little yellow thing that looks amazing right yep. you could take a picture of it and it could be on a billboard it's people take that for granted because without gmos and i'm not on you know i don't have an opinion on gmos because i don't know myself i know people like you think they're great there's also people out there that think they're harmful whatever but i know for a fact that you don't want to open up an ear of corn like you said with worms all over it yeah you're not gonna want to eat that no and you know I would eventually love to wean ourselves off of GMOs because organic seed is way cheaper. So going back to... Really? Yeah. Going back to, you know, cover crops, it's called regenerative agriculture. You're regenerating the soil. You have all these cover crops growing out there. You make making the soil healthier. And the uh, quality... If you can have a regenerative system, you can actually eventually actually afford to use organic seed that you don't need all those... Uh, protection from because you know a lot of these degraded soils that corn is more apt to get these diseases mm -hmm. where on a healthy soil you know the the crop is not apt to get some of these diseases so like I said like the quality of your food comes from the quality of the soil that you're eating or, or the quality of the soil that, mm -hmm. that your food is grown on you know healthy soil makes healthy food so that, that's why organic and GMO doesn't make a difference to me at the grocery store. I, I want to know what kind of soil it was grown on. And if you are growing something that's truly organic, do you have to use way more pesticides and herbicides on well, that? you can't. So you can, you can grow – a farmer right now on a degraded soil can say, I just want to go organic, and it would be a train wreck. Really? Because, yeah, they, it would be full of diseases. The, the soil wouldn't have the ability to put as many nutrients to that plant. It, it would not work well, but some of these organic farms, since they haven't been doing these uh, synthetic fertilizers and these chemicals, their soil is naturally more healthy, and that then they've been able to grow some healthier crops. But it's not a guarantee. I've I've seen some, you know, like like I said, ears of corn of non of non GMO corn that are just terrible quality. There's worms crawling all over it. Yeah, and. They, they look a lot different, too, when they're not GMOs, right? They don't look completely uniform like a normal sweet ear of corn would. I they don't look, know about that. They look smaller. Like, from what I've seen, if you just buy, like, non-GMO, like, heirloom seeds, right, you're going to get some crazy-looking corn. Maybe it's just different uh, breeds of corn where you get, like, the blue kernels or the red kernels in there. Have you seen any of that stuff? Well, that's like Indian corn, isn't it? Yeah, but I don't know the difference really myself. Like, I don't know if that's just straight, like, heirloom, like, original corn, how it was. No, no all that seed, if you buy organic seed, all that seed has the same exact genetics. It should look tabletop across the field. So when you see, like, a, a field full of corn and every single stalk looks identical, just a complete uniform crop, is that because of GMOs or is that the way it is naturally anyways? Like, if you went yeah. back 300 years and saw a field of corn, would it look different? Probably, yeah. And 
Well, corn nowadays, the, that corn plant has male and female pro- parts on that same plant. So, yeah, uh, Teosinte is the original name for corn. And, yeah, the, the ears actually came out at the top of the plant, not at the bottom. So, oh, really? Yeah, yeah they're going to look way different. The ears came out at the top. Yeah. So back in 300 years ago, if you saw a crop of corn, the ears would have been on the yeah, top yeah, of the... Yeah, some would be, yeah. Wow. Is there a reason that they modified them that way? Yeah, so the plant has male and female parts on it, so it can pollinate What's the purpose? itself. Oh, okay. I yeah. see. So does the male and the female plant in nature look different? Is one taller than the other? I've never seen them. You've never seen them? <laughs> They're not around. Really? That's kind of crazy. Um... Do you have any crazy stories on the job since you've been doing this? Have you had any weird encounters or anything? Oh, I, yeah. I, I, when I'm uh, working earlier in the summer, the sh- crops are really short, and I always keep a four-wheeler in the bed of my truck to just drive a four-wheeler over the field when I'm looking for weeds. And I had a sheriff pull me over for going 72 and 55 on a on a blacktop. Oh, is that right? So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So when you get to a field, you just get, take your four-wheeler out a lot of the times and just cruise around. Yeah, like I'll find an area that I have like three fields here, so I'll just find a place to park and drop the bike and go yeah. check all those fields. And I get back to the truck, and I type up a report and move on. So a lot of the times during the summer, it's you know drive, walk, or, or drive the four-wheeler over it and type up a report, repeat the process. So, Have you ever ran into any crop circles? No, no. <laughs> Damn, thought I'd ask. It's one of those no, things. I've seen some weird stuff I can't explain, but like what? Uh, oh, like why are all these plants dead right here? And I, I, I don't know why. It'll just be yeah. a group of dead plants, like in a circle. Yeah, I, I'm like, what's going on in that Drop circle? No. <laughs> <laughs> Is there anything else crazy you haven't, you couldn't explain that you've seen? Have you ever seen aliens? No. <laughs> <laughs> it's worth asking man <laughs> have not. nobody really talks about crop circles anymore you know no <laughs> <laughs> but then again why would aliens come all the way to earth and just make a design in your field you know yeah i don't know <laughs> i don't either never seen one i don't either so do you think over time like looking out into the future is there a point in time where we're going to degrade everything so much that it's not usable? Yeah. It's yeah. inevitable? So that's, that's why uh, soil health has been a big trend in, our, in the agronomy world right now because they're predicting, you know, if we keep going like this, our soils will eventually be completely unproductive and we can't grow, grow any plants on it. Do you think it's possible to save it? Yeah. Yeah, I think it's possible to save it, but we need to start, start uh, using more cover crops and incorporating livestock into the fields to help heal that soil. We need more people like you out there telling people what they're doing wrong. (laughs) Hey, quit disking that field. Yeah. Right? Yeah, there's some predictions like 60 years, 80 years, 100 years. I've heard all sorts of numbers. But, but yeah, that that time from now that some of these soils will be completely unproductive. Nobody really knows, though, right? Yep. So my goal is, you know, through generative agriculture, you can help heal that soil, increase your microbial populations, and those microbes will help feed that plant more nutrients, and you can eventually wean yourself off of synthetic fertilizers 
to to lower your input costs. I mean, I, I I love that it's better for the environment, better for the world, but also, I mean, if we can reduce our input costs on these fields, I I think that's great because it's it's all about for me making that farmer as profitable as possible. Like like if I have a farmer that breaks a yield record or wins a yield contest, I'd be real proud for him, no doubt. Like in fact, I have had a farmer win it win a yield contest really and I, and I was happy for him but I don't know with all the input costs he put into it is that the most profitable field like when you pencil it out is that the best it's all about all about ROI for me return on investment mm-hmm. because if you wanted to have the most or the highest yield in a crop in in the state right yeah. you could just do some crazy shit and and spend a bunch of money to have that end result yeah, but, and I can already but do that. The, like, it, as an agronomist, I can be out there. Oh, let's doctor this field up, and you know, put all these new fertilizer and all these chemicals on it, and yeah. just drive up the input costs. And yeah, they might have a great crop at the end of the year, but it might but, not be the most profitable. So, is it worth it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, I'm 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 typically pretty conservative on the recommendations I make. Like, if if I ask a farmer to you know spray something, I, I I'm usually pretty confident that's it's going to make the money in the long run. Mm-hmm. That's that's very cool, man. I think your position is awesome, honestly. Yeah, like, thank you. I, I didn't even really know it existed until you told me about it. Yeah. I don't think most people know it exists. I think people just think farmers are out there, like I said, dropping a plant in a hole, and they grow food, and that's it. Yeah, and, and not all farmers use crop consultants. So Yeah. Yeah, there's – yeah, it, we're, we're far and few between because you're covering so much area, so – it's all beneficial for for everything though right what you're doing even though roi return on investment is your main goal right Mm -hmm. your everything that you're doing is in the the end result is beneficial to the soil to the environment yep i mean it's all better for the world yep if i can make the world better and help help the farmers make more money that's yeah and that's that's amazing man cheers to you man yep thank you that is a very cool job you got there Um, if somebody wanted to get into your position, what kind of advice would you give them? Yep. So, like, if if you're in high school, get involved in your FFA program. If your high school has one, um, you know, if you're uh, if your high school doesn't have one, you know, try working for. Can you explain what that is for people that don't know? Future Farmers America. I mean, my high school didn't even have one, so <laughs> I didn't do so it. A lot but, of them might not even have it. Yeah, but I mean. If you're not from a farm and you have an interest in doing it, go work for a farmer one summer when you're in high school. Right? And see if that's a world you want to be in. Yeah, you know? just buck hay bales all summer long. Yeah, well, you if like. you can put up with that, you're, you'll be able to put up with <laughs> consulting. I, I mean, we, we, we work long hours, but, it, I mean, it's just a lot of walking. We walk several miles a day. We're in the heat. but It's good exercise. Yeah, yeah, built-in fitness program. I Yeah, there you go. <laughs> built-in gym. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's cool because um, there's a lot of people out there, and I've said this on a previous podcast, that would love to be in the ag world, but they can't get into farming just because they don't have land they were inherited. They don't mm-hmm. have the money to get started. Farming yeah. is an expensive thing to get into. Yeah. If, you know, Farmers are the all... poorest millionaires out there. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. They're usually loaded, but it's all tied up in their they're, equipment. They're worth a lot, but yeah, the input costs and yeah. everything. Yep. And so it's cool to hear people like you come and talk about positions that like that you have because 
if somebody, like I said, wanted to get into the ag world, they most of them just think, I can't be a farmer, so I'm not going to do that. But, you know, there's crop consultants. There's other things out there, too, that are similar Absolutely. to what you do. And it's super cool. Yeah. Um, does it require a degree for everybody? Yeah, if you want to be a crop consultant, you you pretty well have to have an agronomy degree yeah. or or some kind of degree in agriculture. Like are, are farmers checking your credentials and stuff, or maybe not even farmers but companies, or could somebody just go out there and decide, I want to start being a crop consultant, and uh, good luck, I guess. But if you have yeah, no you, experience. Yeah, you got to find the acres to do it. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, I mean, farmers look for creden- some, some credentials. Like yeah. I'm, I'm a CCA, Certified Crop Advisor, which you do not have – have to have to be a crop consultant it's not a requirement Mm -hmm. i i took the exam when i was in college and i had to have a farmer and a previous employer write write a letter of recommendation to get me through that board and then i was able to get approved so it's just something extra to kind of add to your credential list yeah show that you're out there is this something to show that i i know what i'm doing because i was young and yeah right something to help boost my uh, yeah uh, so definitely go the degree route if you're going to do it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I guess you've never actually worked for a big company doing it, have you? You've always kind of been solo? Yeah. I, I, I work, solo, I work for somebody who's self-employed. Self-employed, yeah. yeah. So it's yeah, it's a company of two full-timers and to hear, one intern. It'd be interesting to hear how people's experiences that does work for a big company that's a crop consultant company, you know? Oh, I, I know several guys that are. You do? But, yeah. Is it similar to what you're doing? I mean, I mean their workday is very similar. Yeah. Yeah. They, they have that, you know, network of, among all the their fellow em, employees, but there's that. that's why the uh, independent crop consultants have a organization called KICC, Kansas Association of, Association of Independent Crop Consultants. Mm-hmm. So we all have a big meeting every year. We, we have all the chemical and seed companies come meet us, and that way we can all get our updates through them that way. Very cool, man. I think uh, what you do is super interesting, honestly. Yeah, thank like, you. I'm, I'm loving this, listening to this right now. I just don't even know. I never knew that this whole thing existed and that there's so much more to it than people realize. Yep. You know? you have any last words you want to say about what you do or anything? Um, yeah, if, if – you're asking to doing this, you know, get involved with your FFA and you know, go work for farmer and see if that's the kind of atmosphere you want to be in. So. And realize that you don't have to just be a farmer to work in agriculture. Yep. Yeah. If you love science, if, if you like working outside all day. And I mean, I, that's one of the reasons I wanted to do it too. I didn't want to be sitting behind a desk. All yeah. Day. Your office is on a four wheeler in a field every day, right? Yeah. Yeah. My, my yeah. pickup's my office. I, yeah. It's, it's crew cat pickup, but it only seats one person because there's, I got, so much junk in there with files and a printer and computers and all that stuff. Right. <laughs> and you can kind of set your own hours if you're doing it. As long as you're getting all your work done in a week, you're, mm-hmm. yeah. So that's kind of an appealing aspect to it for some people probably is that you don't have to punch in at 8 o'clock and punch out at 4 o'clock every day, right? No, no. I, well, during the summer, I'm punching in at 7 o'clock and punching <laughs> out at 9.30 at night. Yeah, so. yeah. So it's feast or famine. Yeah. No pun intended. <laughs> right <laughs> yeah cool do you want people to find you on any social media or anything do you have any last shout outs you uh, want to say or? i'm not much of a social media guy I, no I, I don't have instagram or twitter none of that I, just leave me uh, in it's my hard field. to find it's hard to find me on facebook because i delete the app all the time but <laughs> just leave uh, me alone and- Sna- snapchat i 
uh, yeah can we put my snapchat in the description we can do that yeah we'll it, do that we'll put it in the yeah, description yeah if, Hell yeah any farmers listen to it you know mm-hmm. snap me send me i've you know friends that are farmers that i don't work for but they send me pictures of this their soybeans or something like hey what's going on here and i'll, I'll answer it yeah uh, people can do that cool yeah we'll put your snapchat in the description that way if a farmer wants to come come out, reach out to you after the podcast yeah absolutely. it'll be there cool cheers sir thanks yep. for the thanks for the talk today thanks for yep thank you giving me all the insight on that and uh, spotted cow yep spotted cow cheers thank you